when it's over, I will say all my life I was a bride married to amazement. I was a bridegroom taking the world into my arms. When it's over, I don't want to wonder if I've made of my life something particular and real. We lost one of our own this week. I say one of our own. I didn't really know her. I never met her. But I feel like I have been worshiping with her and praying with her for years. Quoted from the pulpit so often, you might be forgiven for thinking that her words have become part of the gospel canon. <laughs> Mary Oliver died. She died on Thursday. She was a poet of uncommon devotion to her craft. She was a person whose singular goal of uh, sort of capturing poetry out of nature. Um, she lived in Cape Cod, and she loved words. They were a refuge for her. And she has left us a rich legacy of words. And so when I heard that she had died, I thought immediately of a poem she wrote a long time ago in the 80s called When Death Comes. And she said, when it's over, I want to say, all my life I was a bride married to amazement. I was the bridegroom taking the world into my arms. When it's over, I don't want to wonder if I've made of my life something particular and real. The wedding imagery of this poem was on my mind when I turned to this morning's gospel. We have the wedding at Cana. This is a classic wedding text. It was read at my wedding. We read it at all weddings. But when you look at it, it's not really about a wedding. I mean, Jesus, his mother, the disciples, they're at a wedding. There's this thread of transformation. The water becomes wine and You'd say, well, you know, the couple is being transformed. But the wedding is incidental. It seems the occasion for this other event. I mean, Jesus' mother says, they're out of wine. And he says back to her, well, what's that to you or me? My hour hasn't come. This might be one window into a genuine mother-son relationship here where she's made an observation, he's heard a request, and is sort of defensive. What's it to me? But she says to the servants, do whatever he says. And what he says is to fill up these big stone jars, 20 or 30 gallons, fill them to the brim with water, six of them, and then draw out the water and take it to the chief steward. And they take it to the chief steward, and the steward drinks the water-made wine and goes to the bridegroom and says, you know, a lot of people serve the best wine first, but once the, once the guests are drunk, they serve the inferior wine, but you have kept back the best wine for last. It's not even clear that either of them who are revealing the miracle see the miracle. 
right? The bridegroom would be like, um, okay. <laughs> and the steward, sort of showing off his wine knowledge, this is very good wine, but does he know that all that water turned into wine? And the servants, they filled up the thing and took it away, but did they get that that's all wine now? Jesus doesn't say any words, doesn't call on the Father, doesn't say, you know, make this into wine, doesn't go on to explain to the disciples what this is about. But the story ends, it says, Jesus' glory was revealed and the disciples believed. So this is the first sign of what? <laughs> I mean, this is a unique miracle, right? This only appears in John's Gospel. It's not in Matthew, Mark, or Luke. It's, there's nothing else like it, really. I mean, Jesus feeds the 5,000 by multiplying the loaves of bread. Jesus walks on the water. Jesus tells the lepers to go and wash and present themselves. But nothing is quite like this, where the water becomes wine. Something becomes something else. So what is the sign exactly? What are we to make of this? This revealing of Jesus. I think a clue and the sign I see is in the amount of wine that Jesus has made. These big stone jars are 20 and 30 gallons each, and six of them are filled to the brim. He's made over 100 gallons of wine. That's 500 bottles. <laughs> and at this party, the guests are said to already be drunk. What exactly is Jesus encouraging here? <laughs> Biblical commentators have been somewhat scandalized by this problem. But I think that the sign, this large amount of wine, is suggestive that there's more guests to come. This, this amount, this superabundance, it is like the feeding of the 5,000. It is like this overabundance. There's so much wine. And this is for so many more people. And those people are us. You know, it points to the ministry of all these people who will come to Jesus, who will come to faith, who will come to an understanding that God is among us. And so this wine prefigures all that's going to come after, all the people. We are all invited to the wedding. This text comes at Epiphany. This is the season of the year where revelation, where things are revealed. We see, you know, it begins with the magi coming to the child and they worship and they see the child as the Messiah. And I was thinking about this time of year, this epiphany, and thinking about W.H. Auden's poem, For the Time Being. It's his Christmas oratorio. It is a retelling of the nativity story. It's long and it's beautiful.
But in that story, the birth of Jesus is this pivot moment, this moment that changes things. For the Magi who have been traveling through on this long journey, the child is the destination. When they find the Christ child, their journey is over, and it comes to a stop, just like the star. But for the shepherds, the birth of Jesus is the beginning. It's the start of something new. We find the shepherds out in the fields, and they have my favorite line of the poem, which says, what's real about all of us is that each of us is waiting. What's real about all of us is each of us is waiting. They are waiting for something to happen. And for the time being, this in-between time, this temporality, this time between the first advent when Jesus comes and the second coming, this time between our birth and our death, this time for us. Because we are both in the time of the Messiah and waiting for the time. We are in between in this epiphany. And for the shepherds, all changes because Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And Auden picks up that, that saying from John's gospel. And in the final chorus of the poem, he says, he is the way. Follow him through the land of unlikeness and you will see rare beasts and have unique adventures. He is the truth. Seek him in the kingdom of anxiety and you will come to a great city that has expected your return for years. He is the life. Love him in the world of flesh. And at your marriage, all its occasions will dance for joy. If you want to make something particular and real of your life, follow him through the land of unlikeness. Seek him in the kingdom of anxiety. Love him in the world of the flesh. We are all invited to the wedding. And Jesus is the one who has come into the world. He is the one we are waiting for. Jesus is the bridegroom who will take us into his arms and together make of our life something particular and real. <laughs>